All right. Everybody ready to study God's Word? Last week I was in uh, Big Bear, and it was 61 when I left, and it was 103 when I got down the hill. So um, uh, Big Bear, High Desert, Big Bear, High Desert. Uh, Well, I love being here, so that's uh, uh, good. And, um, you know, just a couple things. Uh, Next Sunday night, please put that on your calendar. We're just going to come, and by the way, Karen, just good job today. Welcome. That was just an amazing job that you um, led us in worship today, and and um, we just feel like we're welcoming the Holy Spirit here. And then, um, so that starts at 5.30 for the baptisms, and then 6 o'clock, and we have nursery care available at that time. And then also Gloria Alvera, you know, she, Ray and Gloria, Ray just passed away, and and uh, she's having uh, surgery tomorrow, so if you'll remember Gloria, just tomorrow, just keep that in mind. And also be, you know, your dad passed away uh, this Thursday, was it? Yeah, and I got in to see him just before he passed away, and he looked good. He was doing well, and he was alert. And, and um, But, you know, one of the nice things is he gave his heart to Jesus just before he passed away. And so we're glad and happy for that. So... Um, so, a lot going on, and um, we're ready to study God's Word. And I want to apologize. Um, Moses, the story of Moses, you know, we started it, and we went for about four or five weeks. And then there's going to be some little breaks, you know, kind of in between. Like last week, I wasn't here, and then, you know, there'll be some breaks. And, and I apologize for that, because I like to go, just keep going, and, you know, just really plow through with it. But... Uh, the Holy Spirit keeps adding things to me, <laughs> and uh, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm done, and then the Holy Spirit shows me something else, and so uh, I'll just keep going until the Holy Spirit says uh, no, but um, we've been talking about Moses, the making of a champion, and um, and so uh, we've just been going through different things in the book of Exodus, and so uh, you can go to chapter 4, and we're going to get there in just a minute, but I want to just kind of review what it was like, because in chapter 1, uh, we talked about what what Egypt was like 3,500 years ago, and uh, there was a guy named Pharaoh, he was really into slavery of the Jews, and and he had uh, not only slavery, but he was trying to do genocide, you know, with the uh, Hebrew midwives, and trying to get them to kill their babies, and they were saying, I would rather obey God rather than man, and, uh, and then he, it got to the point where that wasn't working, so he started doing state-sponsored murder and, you know, just really, you know, just killing people. And uh, then we got into week two, and we talked about how God has a plan, and he weaves everything together. Aren't you glad that God has a plan for your life, and he just weaves everything together? You know, Moses, uh, the baby, the mom hid the baby, put him in the ark and the bulrushes. The baby starts to cry. Uh, you know, uh, Pharaoh's daughter comes down, hears the cry, she has compassion. You know, uh, Moses' sister pops out and says, hey, you know, uh, wouldn't you like a Hebrew midwife? And uh, so Moses' mom got to raise him and got paid for it. You know, I mean, that's pretty cool. And, uh, you know, and she raises him, and then he's brought into the palace and learns all the fineries about Egypt and... um, uh, and it's just amazing to me how God just weaves our story together. Aren't you amazed on that? And then in week number three, um, you know, we saw that Moses killed a man. That's not good. I'll barely say that's not good. Okay, that's not good. But he tries to run into the desert. And when he runs into the desert, uh, you know, how many know that? Anybody ever have wilderness experiences? You know, it's kind of funny. We live in the desert and... We understand what he says. He goes into the desert because how many know the desert is so much deeper than what we know? And and he went into the desert, and uh, we learned three lessons while he was in the desert. One is don't get ahead of God, okay? And how many of us have gotten ahead of God? And then we said, you know, that you need to serve where God puts you. Sometimes we just, I don't like being here, God. I don't want to be here. Anybody ever felt like that? And God just says, get over it. Just start serving where you are and quick whining. Okay, turn to your, no, I don't want you to turn to your neighbor and say, quit whining, but, you know, turn to yourself and say, quit whining, you know, and then, and then uh, lesson number three was that you just need to trust God's plan. God has a plan for all of us, and it's interesting, and I remember saying this when we were um, uh, talking, is that in geometry, the straightest point between A and B is a straight point, straight line, you know, or in, uh, in regular math. But in geometry, it's not a straight line. It's a zigzag. It's all over. You know, it's like, 
you know, and so God took uh, and, you know, did some zigzag. And how many know that you think, oh, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. And I remember sitting down when I was young, and these are my goals. And by 30, I'm going to have this job. And by 35, I'm going to be here. And, you know, all that kind of stuff. And here I am, 68, and some of that stuff hasn't come about yet. And uh, it's like I'm still, I'm still believing for those things. But, you know, how many know that your desert is preparing you for your promised land? And so, and then in week number four, we saw this, um, you know, there was a, a, a burning bush. And how many know that you go out in the desert, you see a burning bush, it's kind of like, wow, that's really a wow. <laughs> but the, not, not just that it was burning, but it was not catching on fire. You know, it was on fire, but it was not burning up. And that's an amazing thing. You know, if we saw a fire, we'd say, we see it all the time. Uh, you know, there's fires. We saw one the other day, you know, in the past. And, you know, that, that really bogs up our life. But to see a fire and not burn up anything, that's a real miracle. And then God all of a sudden calls, you know, and says, Moses, you know, I want you to go. And, and Moses used this word, and I, I don't want you to forget it. It's Hineni. Remember Hineni? You know, it's God, uh, yeah, whatever you want me to do, I'll do Hineni. Everybody say that because I don't want you to forget that. Hineni. Everybody say it. Hineni. And, um, and then week number five. See, I, I, I just keep going on this and then keep, God keeps giving me stuff. And uh, so week number five, it's like uh, when God calls, don't make excuses. And, uh, and so we saw where Moses, he had all sorts of excuses. Listen to his excuses. Uh, I'm unqualified. Anybody ever feel like you're unqualified? You know, and then he said, they don't know me. You know, that, that excuse, uh, they won't believe me. Um, how about this one? I just can't do it. And then I like number five, I don't want to. Okay, anybody ever just feel like, I just don't want to. Don't, you know, I, it's none of that God stuff. I just don't want to do it, you know. But how many know God has a way of getting our attention, right? So we're going to start in today's uh, lesson today. And, um, and, and we're going to title this that history teaches us to hope, Okay. History teaches us to hope. And I'm going to I, I tell you about a guy named um, uh, Robert E. Lee. Anybody remember Robert E. Lee? He was the general for the Confederate Army. And uh, he says this. This is interesting. Just before he died in 1870. The march of providence is so slow and our desires so impatient. The work of progress is so immense and our means of aiding it is so feeble. The life of humanity is so long that the end of that of the individual so brief that we often see only the ebb of advancing wave and are thus discouraged. And then he said this, it is history that teaches us to hope. It's quite a statement when you think about it because it's, it's really a profound view of Christianity and we see so little and only God sees the big picture. Come on, can you say amen to that? And uh, we get discouraged and uh, because we uh, often, we don't see what we see doesn't make sense. Come on, how many just think, God, what in the world are you doing? You know, it's like, uh, I would have chosen a better man for that. I would have chosen a better way to do that. And so history teaches us to hope. And that's the advantage of studying history from God's point of view is that it gives you hope today. I want to give you hope. I want you to walk out of here and say, you know what? This is, there is still hope for me. And um, we get impatient. Anybody get impatient in this room? You know, anybody? Just three of us get impatient here today. Okay. Uh, come on, let's try it again. How many get impatient once in a while? And it's like, uh, how many get impatient with a person sitting next to you once in a while? Okay. You know, there, a little more honesty there. You know, and we, we want progress. We demand action. And, um, and, you know, here's the thing. God says, okay, uh, check back with me in 100 years. And, um, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a lot of patience, right? Not, but not, in this case, it wasn't 100 years. It was 80 years. You know, God's working on Moses. And, you know, he says, all right, check back with me in 80 years. Then you'll be ready to go do what, you know, I want you to do. And so, you know, Moses thinking, okay, God spoke. I got my marching orders. And uh, I'm ready to go, and um, I'm ready to face Pharaoh. Well, okay, no, not ready, not ready yet. You know, he's, here he is, 80, you know, and he's thinking, I'm ready to face Pharaoh. But let me just remind you a little bit about the story. 
after calling him at the uh, burning bush, God gave him the marching orders. And Moses knows what God wants him to do. And after making all his excuses and after hearing God's answers, he thinks he's ready to go, but he's not. And that shouldn't surprise us after all, because when we think that we're ready to move, God says, you've got a lot more to learn. Anybody ever just feel like, you know, like, okay, I'm ready to go. And then God says, no, you got a lot more to learn. There's, there's more to learn. Uh, you know, and, and I think the older you get, the realize, you know, the more I have to learn. I, I haven't arrived. And so in this lesson today, and we're going to be in chapter 4, verses 18 through 33. And I got to tell you, this, this passage just jumped out at me this week. And I see three lessons that Moses must learn before he's ready to go back to Egypt. Because you remember, God called him and said, I want you to go back and I want you to deliver my people. And so I want you to write these down because this is very important. Here's the first lesson that I think is very important for all of us to learn today. It is this, that you need to do the hard thing. And this is a lesson about God's sovereignty. Now, I got to tell you, when just in this passage alone, I mean, God just jumped out at me because I like to plan my life. I like to kind of know that I'm going to get beyond point B and I'm going to get to point C. And, uh, uh, and how many know that God's God and we're not? Anybody know that? And sometimes God doesn't allow you to do it the way you want to do it because God's God and you're not. Sometimes God just does it the way he, well, God does it all the time the way he wants to. And I don't always agree with God. Okay, because basically God is going to tell Moses, all right, I want you to go to Egypt and when you get there, you're going to fail. I mean, that's kind of messed up. I want to know, I'm going to go and I'm going to win. I'm going to be happy. I'm going to, man, I'm going to have victory. How many want to know that? You know, everything's going to be okay. I want to know that. It's going to be okay. And God says, okay, you're going to go to Egypt and you're going to go before uh, Pharaoh and you're going to fail. He's going to reject you. I don't want to hear that message. But remember, God is God and what? We are not. So Exodus chapter 4, verse 18, and uh, I want you to see it in your passage here. Exodus chapter 4, and uh, we'll go to verse number 18, and it says this. So Moses went home, uh, back home to Jethro, his father-in-law. Uh, Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt. Okay, that's kind of weird. He's 80, you know, and he's saying, going to his father-in-law and asking permission. So some of you guys think you turn 18, you know, that it's over. This is really kind of proof that you're never, ever not a kid, okay? You're always a kid in your parents' eyes, okay? And so he says, I want to go back to Egypt. And Moses said, I, I don't, uh, and Moses said, I don't even know if they're still alive, my family. Go in peace, Jethro replied. And before uh, Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, Return to Egypt, for all those who wanted to kill you have died. And so Moses took his wife and his sons and put them on a donkey and headed to the land of Egypt. In his hand, he carried the staff of God. You remember the staff that God is going to do miracles. And the Lord told Moses, When you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform all the miracles that I've empowered you to do. But I will harden, notice this, I will harden his heart so that he will refuse to let the people go. Now you got to remember, just really, really put that in there. And, and then you will tell him, this is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn, I've commanded you, let my son go so he can worship me. But since you have refused, I will now kill your firstborn. Wow, okay, that's a lot right there. Now I don't want you to skip over that phrase in verse 21. It says, I'm going to harden his heart. And, and people have wondered about this for thousands of years. But ten times in the book of Exodus, it says here that Pharaoh hardened his heart. And, you know, you say, well, what's going on here? Because the heart refers to what we would call the real you. Okay? That's the heart. The place where, uh, you know, the place inside where the decisions of life are made. The term heart is, uh, it refers to what we call the, you know, the real you, the place where the decisions are made. And your, your heart chooses its values. You know, what do you believe in? It decides where you're going to go and who you're going to go with and how you're going to get there. And how many know that every important decision starts here with the heart? And, you know, I, I, I love, you know, what Proverbs 4.23 says this. 
He says to guard your heart. Notice, let's read it together. Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. So every one of you today, you're making a choice about how you're going to guard your heart, and it's going to determine the course of your life. Now, do you know that the Bible mentions the heart over a thousand times in the Bible? Listen to this. This is very important. You know, he talks about the deceitful heart, the double heart, the wicked heart, the perverse heart, the heavy heart, the fretting heart, the troubled heart, the broken heart, the fixed heart. It talks about the compassionate heart, the contrite heart, the soft heart, the merry heart, a pure heart, and I could go on and on and on. And the Bible repeatedly warns us of the danger of a hard heart. Notice what Hebrews chapter 3 verse 15 says. Remember what it says, today when you hear his voice, don't harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled. And I think that's a message for all of us is, you know, life happens. And, and I, I think you need to understand this. He's telling Moses that life's not going to go exactly the way you want it to go. You're going to go, you're going to go to Egypt, you're going to fail, the Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. But in the meantime, don't harden your heart also. And this is a real powerful message. I, I got to tell you, this jumped out at me this week because, uh, you know, when you're talking about the sovereignty of God, it is, you know what? God is God and I'm not. You know, in that passage in Hebrews, it was referring back to when they were at Kadesh Barnea and the spies came back with a mixed report. And, and they said, yes, the land flows with milk and honey. That, that's really true. Uh, yes, it's an amazing place to live, but... Uh, Yes, also, the land is filled with enemies, okay? Uh, the land is filled with giants. The land is filled with walled cities and uh, that seem to reach up to the heavens. And they said this, we felt like grasshoppers to them. And how many know nobody wants to go through life as a grasshopper, okay? And, um, but two brave souls gave a minority report. And... Joshua and Caleb, they agreed with the observations of the majority, but not their conclusions. You know, they said, yes, God has called us to the promised land. Yes, if God has called us, then he's going to go with us. You know, and if he goes with us, we can't lose. Uh, those giants cannot stand against us. Now, how many know that the majority, you know, sometimes the majority is right, but sometimes the majority is wrong. Can you say amen to that? And uh, in this case, they were wrong. They were dead wrong. And literally, so as a punishment, God says, okay, you guys can go out into the wilderness for 40 years and you can just wander for 40 years just because of the decision you just made. And uh, that's what it means to harden your heart. You make a conscious choice not to believe what God has said. And underlying this is a crucial principle that truth demands a response. Every step leads to the light to, to the light or to darkness. And, and your life is like a flowing river. You know, it, it, it goes in one direction or the other. Uh, light received brings on more light. You know, light rejected brings on more darkness in your life. And, and why would God harden Pharaoh's heart? I want to know that question. You know, why did, why did, what did God do that, you know, what did... He did it so this, this is why he did it. He did it so Pharaoh would let the Jews leave. He knew that, you know, Pharaoh wasn't going to let them go automatically. Uh, he wasn't going to let the Jews go automatically. You know, they, they, you know, they couldn't fight their way out. Pharaoh was, you know, had a bigger army than they did. And, but I want you to remember this about Pharaoh. This is a guy that was proud. He was arrogant. He was ruthless. He was brutal. And plus, he's getting free labor from all these Jews. I mean, you go over to uh, Egypt right now, and you see all these temples and these pillars that are made that are huge. And I'm thinking, you know, the Egyptians say, look at what we did. I'm thinking, yeah, on the backs of the Jews, you know. And I even asked a guide that, but he didn't like that answer question, you know. So, um, but, you know, here's this. You know, it's not as if uh, Pharaoh loved God. He didn't. It's not as if Pharaoh loved the Jews. He didn't. It's not as if he feared the Lord. He didn't. But I want you, Proverbs 21.1 says this. 
The king's heart is like a stream of water directed by the Lord, and he guides it wherever he pleases. And this is kind of phenomenal to me. You know, it's like, okay, I'm going to raise up Pharaoh, and he's going to harden his heart, but it's going to be part of my ultimate purpose. I'm going to allow you to go through hard times in your life and difficulties in your life. And, you know, you're not going to like it at times, but it's going to be part of my ultimate purpose. I'm going to allow you to really hurt sometimes and be in such a bad place that you're going to say, God, what is going on? But it's going to be part of my ultimate purpose, part of my sovereignty, God says. You know, and you say, well, is that fair? Well, if God does it, it's fair, right? If God does it, you know, it's right. And if God does it, it is just. God is God. I have to remember that today, okay? God is God and I'm not, okay? Now look at Romans chapter 9, uh, verse 8. And, you know, Paul is using Pharaoh as an example. So you see, God chooses to show mercy to some and he chooses to harden the hearts of others so they refuse to listen. And I want you to see that. This is God politely reminding us, mind your own business. You know, what God does in one person's life you know, we say, well, God, it's not fair. You know, you're blessing them over there. You know, I want under those blessings. God says, it's not time for that blessing. I want you to go through some difficult times so that you can grow up. How many have been to the school of hard knocks? I don't like it. Anybody like it? You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm so glad I'm a part of the school of hard knocks. Well, I don't like it, but I'm going to tell you when I'm there, I hope that I'm learning something that God will use in my life. See, I'm speaking to somebody today. And if I object to what God chooses in someone's life or how he blesses or how he hardens somebody's heart, you know what, I don't understand, you know, what God's doing in my life because God uses these hard times in my life to help me to grow, to, to be more like him. Can you say amen to that? So when God decides to free his people, no puny Pharaoh can stop him. In context, this is what God is saying. He's saying, go back to Egypt. Speak to Pharaoh. I'm going to harden his heart. Perform the signs that I tell you to do. You know, and in other words, I'm sending you back and you're going to be a guaranteed failure. Wow. It's gotten quiet in here. We always want, I want to hear the word that says, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get a lotto ticket today and I'm going to be happy and going to, you know, have a lot of money and a happy family and life is going to be great. And God says, you know what, sometimes it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes God allows you to go through hard places and he says, I'm only trying to make you grow so that you can be the person God wants you to be. Wow. I got to tell you, this is deep. God is sovereign. And I'm, I'm not. <laughs> okay, lesson number one, do the hard thing, a lesson about God's sovereignty. Here's lesson two, do the right thing, a lesson about God's holiness. Now, I had to work through this passage here because I'm thinking, what in the world is this passage talking about? Why? You ever just read through some passages like, what was God thinking? Okay, now stop and think about this because about after everything that has happened, God wants to kill Moses all of a sudden. Wait a minute, this is your guy. This is the guy you've been preparing for 80 years. This is the guy that, you know, was out in the back of the desert and this is the guy that had a moment with God at the, the, the burning bush. Now you want to kill him? You know, what about that? Well, look at Exodus chapter 4, verse 24. On the way to Egypt, okay, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for nights, the Lord confronted him and wanted to kill him. I'm thinking, whoa, God, what are you doing? And it says, but Moses' wife, Zipporah, took a flint knife. It's almost like we don't know the battle that was going on there, but Zipporah did. She took a flint knife and she circumcised her son. Ouch! She touched his feet with the foreskin and said, Now you are bridegroom of blood to me. And when she said this, a bridegroom of blood, she was referring to the circumcision. After that, the Lord left him alone. Now, this is one of the most bizarre passages. It's like all of a sudden you're going well, okay? And all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute. We got to take care of something here. 
that hasn't been taken care of. And it's a strange episode in the life of Moses. And for reasons that are immediately unclear, you know, um, God wants to kill his own man, the man he had just called from the burning bush. As if to say, God is saying, you're not the man I thought you were. There's still an issue we need to work on. And at its heart, this passage is not about circumcision, at least primarily. This story is about taking God seriously. And for some reason, Moses had not circumcised his son as God had commanded earlier in, you know, with Abraham. You know, he kind of got out in the back of the deserts like, you know, no big deal. You know, I kind of do my own thing. You know, nobody's really out here with me. And, you know, maybe they didn't practice it in median possible. Maybe his wife didn't approve, likely. Uh, maybe Moses thought it didn't matter, clearly. Okay. Maybe he intended to do it later, possibly. Uh, maybe he had other things on his mind, definitely. Okay. And so we don't know why his son was not circumcised. And it wasn't a big deal to Moses. But I'm going to tell you, he's about to find out it was a big deal for God. And I want you to see this because Moses almost dies because of his carelessness. carelessness. You know, I, I played a little football in high school. And, you know, the coach used to say, it's my way or the highway. You know, have you ever heard anybody say that? It's my way or the highway. And, and, and it's almost like God is saying this to Moses. Look, at, it's my way or the highway. You know, I instituted this circumcision a long time ago to set you apart as a, a, a tribe of people that are different than the rest of the world. And, and it was his way of saying, you know, we may live in a pagan land, but we are still the people of God. It was an outward mark of an inward commitment that these people had. And Moses neglected, but his wife did it. He, you know, it should have been a man's job. She took the knife and she, she took care of it. And then she did something dramatic. She took the foreskin and she just threw it at his feet like, there. Sounds like a real happy marriage. Now, I want you to think about this. Okay, this is an awkward passage. Okay, I work through it. You get to work through it. Okay. And... But I, I, I see something here that I didn't see before. And here's, you know, Moses. He had this, this amazing experience at the burning bush. Okay? Amazing experience. And, um, and remember, after, what happens now? This comes after the burning bush, after the call of God, after God, you know, answered all his excuses, after telling Moses to go back to Egypt and... Also promising to be with him. And after all that, Moses is about ready to be killed by God. He's, and God is just saying, I'm not playing around. I'm not going to monkey around here. We're, we're going to do business with God. And you know what I'm seeing in this is God says, you know what? What I tell you to do is important. And you need to walk in the holiness of God. And, you know, Moses is given a message. You're going to go. You're going to fail. You need to trust me. You're going to go and, you know, you just need to obey me completely. And, uh, and later on, Saul learns this centuries later in First Samuel 15, 22. He says to obey is better than sacrifice. And, and, and I, I wrote this in my notes that partial obedience is disguised obedience, disobedience. And when God gives a command, he won't accept excuses for noncompliance. And, you know, here we are as a church, and you say, well, how is this? And God is saying, look at, there's a way of holiness. There's a way to walk. I've told you to walk. And some people just walk the line. I, I am, the Bible says in Revelations, you're either hot or you're cold. You know, you come to churches like you've been doing the world all week long, and then you come to church, and God is saying, you know, you know I want you to walk on holiness. And, you know, and it's hard for us to time because we're, we don't know which side of the fence we're on. You know, we come to church, oh, praise God, hallelujah, I'm so glad I'm here. And then, you know, during the week, we just kind of do our own thing. And God says, you know what, it's my way or the, whole, uh, or the highway. You know, it's like walk in holiness, walk in holiness. And so that was kind of a strange passage. But I, I tell you, the Lord spoke to me this week in that passage too. Now, here's the third lesson, okay? You need to do the next thing. This is in verses 27 through 31. 
And this is a lesson about God's faithfulness. So let me go down to verse number 27. And notice, now the Lord had said to Aaron, go out into the wilderness, meet Moses. And Aaron went out to Moses at the mountain of God, and he embraced him. Okay? And then Moses then told Aaron everything that the Lord commanded him to say. And he told him about the miraculous signs the Lord had commanded him to perform. And then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything that the Lord had told Moses. And Moses performed miraculous signs as they watched. And then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and what? Worshiped. So here's this. You know, Moses is afraid of this meeting. You ever been afraid? Like, I got to meet with these people. I got to, you know, and you're all worried. And, you know, he's, he's afraid of meeting with these people. He's worried and he's worried about all this type of stuff. And, you know, he had all his objections. But the text is brief. It was a breeze. Aaron did his part. Moses did his part. The people just believed and it. it was simple. And then it just goes on to show you the old adage that 95% of what you worry about never really happens. Does anybody ever just like worry, 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 worry? And it's just like all the things that you're worried about never comes about anyway. And, uh, and the problem, of course, is figuring out which part of our worries are in the 5% that, you know, we really need to worry about. And, uh, but the lesson is clear here. Go, take the next step, head back to Egypt, and God will take care of the details. And, um, and, and the thing is I see right here is there's huge problems about to come down the line. Just because the people said, oh yeah, yeah, okay, we see that you have God on your side and they, they see that you know God is with them, it doesn't mean that they're not gonna be obstinate and stubborn later on. You know, this is before the, the plagues. This is before you know, uh, Egypt, uh, you know, Pharaoh chases them down to the Red Sea. And, um, and Moses doesn't know about the frogs, the gnats, the hail, the darkness, you know, all those plagues that are coming. And he certainly has no idea about the death of the firstborn all in Egypt. All that is yet to be revealed. And sometimes God doesn't show me everything. There are things I'm praying for right now, and I'm just as clear as mud on them. Every time I pray, it's just like, I don't get it, Lord. I don't understand. It's like, I want the Lord to go, aha, you know, it's, this is my will. And, you know, I want handwriting in the sky. God said this, do this, this, and this. Wouldn't it be cool? You just come out every morning. God, what do you want me to do? And one, I want you to do this. Two, I want you to do this. And, and God doesn't give me the privilege of doing that. He says, just go, just take a step, and then the next step, and the next step, and then I'll show up. And that's how God reveals himself. And the question is, now, will Moses take the next step? And that's all God asked for the, next, for the moment. He's been 80 years in preparation. Moses is ready. He had doubts. And uh, he had fears. And Moses is ready now. And he's back home. And Pharaoh doesn't have a clue. God's man has come to town. And with God's help, you know... He's going to lead the people out of Egypt to the promised land. And in the end, it will all happen just as God promised. But how many know there's a lot of details in between there that Moses doesn't even know about yet? So we give our hearts to Jesus. We say we're going to follow him. And yes, Lord, if you're saying to do that, then I'm going to do it. But it's so hard sometimes because I don't know what tomorrow is going to entail. I don't know what this week's going to happen. And, you know, so God's people eventually are going to be free. But I'm going to tell you, uh, and Moses will be remembered for one of the most extraordinary men ever alive. But it brings me back to the quote at the beginning of the sermon. I'm going to have the worship team come up here. Is that history teaches us to hope. And if there's anything that I could just throw at you today is that history is your is going to teach us that God always comes through. God always comes through. And he does it the way he wants to do it. And so what are the lessons that we learn from all this? It is this. Because God is sovereign, do the hard thing. I don't want to do the hard thing.
Because God is holy, do the right thing. Come on, sometimes I don't want to do the right thing. Amen? And sometimes, and because God is faithful, I just need to do the next thing. What is the next thing? Go. What is the next thing? Go. Get up tomorrow. Put on your clothes. Go to work. I don't want to go to work. That's the next thing. You know, what are the things that God is speaking in your life to do? And he says, do the hard thing, do the right thing, do the next thing. And then everything else is just details. And I just want to just encourage you on that. This, this, this passage just spoke at me this week. This passage just jumped at me. It's like, because sometimes I want God just to do things and it's just going to be easy. I have an easy button around here at the church. It's like, push the easy button whenever things go hard. And I want God to do easy. How many like easy? Isn't that nice? Oh, God. My wife said the other day when I got home, how was your day? And, and I, I just wanted to say, well, let's just push the easy button and it'll be okay. But some days are not that way. But I just have to trust God. That God is faithful that when he says he's going to get from here to here, God always does it. When God says, I'm going to, I'm going to do this in your life, and, and I'm just a work in progress right now. I just, God is still working on me. There's things that he's promised me that he wants me to do, and, and yet I'm just still like, oh, Lord, are you ready? You ready? You ready? Come on. Come on. Are you ready? And... I don't know. Anybody else get tired? No, no, I'm not ready yet. No, no, I'm not ready. Would you stand with me, please? As we sing this song. In my life, you have been faithful. In all my life, you have been so, so good.
I would just like you to just step out of your seat. Just come on down right now. Just say, you know, I've been going through some stuff. Yeah, come on down. Come on down. You've been going through stuff. Come on. Don't be afraid to come down here. Don't be afraid. You've been going through stuff and you just, you want prayer. Come on. Don't be afraid today. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Anybody else? You've been going through stuff. And you just need prayer today. Come on down. Come on down. You know, because here's the thing. I was thinking, Lord, why did you tell all this to Moses? He says, because I wanted to warn him of what was coming ahead. I wanted him to let him know that life is going to get hard. But I'm going to remain faithful to him. And that that's the promise of God today. Come here, Bill. Come here. I place on you the blessing of the Lord. And where you've been up against a brick wall and you have felt like, God, where are you? And what are you doing? And Lord, this isn't part of the plan. I place on you the blessing of the Lord that just says, I'm going to take care of you. I have not left you. I will not forget you. I am going to be with you. And Jesus, I pray over Bill right now. Lord, you're going to touch him. Touch him, Lord God. Lord, we lift up his hands in praise. We lift them up together. And maybe it is even hard to lift up those hands in praise. But I'm going to tell you, we lift up your hands together in the name of Jesus. That God is going to be victorious. God is going to wonderfully work in your life. And someone else needs to hear that today. God is not done with you. He's going to work on your life. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Just praise him, Bill. Just praise him in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Just worship all my life. Let's sing it. All my life you have been faithful.
Amen. Well, if you're here today and you don't know the Lord, you're unfamiliar with his presence, you've never surrendered your life to Christ. As Pastor Bill said, he is God and we are not. And as God, he is king. And if that's you and you haven't given your life to Christ, surrendered to him, you know what? I, I want to invite you right now. This is a great opportunity. Today is the day of salvation. For you to come under King Jesus, know him as your King, your Savior, your Lord, and to know his presence. And so if that's you, I just want to ask you, go ahead and raise your hand and we'll pray for you right now. All we have to do is come to the Lord and do just that. Recognize, Lord, you are God and I'm not. And I've rebelled against you. And you know what? God offers forgiveness. He sent his son to die in our stead because of our disobedience that we could be forgiven, saved from his judgment at the end of time. But more than that, we can be sons and daughters that can say, Abba, Father. So if that's you, if you're here and you haven't given your heart to Christ, you haven't surrendered to him and, and you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on you, go ahead and just raise your hand now and, and we can pray with you. If, if not, that's okay too. Okay. You know, I, I, I'm happy. That means that we're all, at this time, followers of Christ, sons and daughters of God. So we're going to uh, close with a blessing and a prayer. You can. You know, um, in the middle of the service, the Lord was, well, even in the beginning of the week, the Lord was dealing with me with hearts. And it's so funny that, you know, it's not funny. God, 
and the heart issues. I have a physical heart problem. My physical heart problem, I have congestive heart failure. And so with that, I have to take medications. I have to watch my diet. I have to do exercise. But the Lord is not wanting the physical. He's wanting the spiritual with you. Pastor talked in regards to hard hearts. And I know there's hard hearts in here. I know that there is. I've had to deal with hard heart. I've had to deal with wall building. Um, people aren't going to hurt me again. Um, Lord, I don't want to do something. And pastor spoke in regards to, I'm not going to do that. Well, you know, that's not where the Lord wants to go this morning. The Lord wants you to offer your heart. Abby's saying in the middle of uh, her song in the bridge, it talks about the heart issue and how um, he wants to heal your heart. But he's not going to come to you and heal your heart without you surrendering it to him. He's never going to do anything that he doesn't want, you don't want him to do. He wants you to bring your heart to him this morning and say, Lord, create in me, change my heart, make my heart pliable to what you want, not what we want. You don't want what you want, believe me. You only want what he has for you. So, sorry. Nothing to be sorry about. <laughs> Lord, we're thankful. We're thankful for your presence. We're thankful for your word. Thankful for our pastor who's brought your word to us today, Lord. Lord, we, we love to honor you. We love to worship you. And I pray your blessing would be upon each member of this congregation as they go out. Your presence, we know, goes with us. So, Lord, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, an open heart to receive daily from your presence. We thank you. We love you. We give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance on you and give you peace. Amen. Go in grace and peace.